Let's pray before we go into God's Word, if you don't mind. Father God, we love you. We exist solely to glorify you, to magnify your holy name. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we ask now, Lord, that you, you work in us through it, that you sharpen us with it, that you prune us by it, and that you wash us in it. Father, we just uh, surrender ourselves to it. Help me, Lord, uh, be with me as I minister. I submit myself to you, your willing servant. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. and amen. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And then Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. The four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne, and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You may be seated. Thank you. There's a man named Erwin Lutzer, he wrote a book called uh, Your Eternal Reward. And in this book, he tells a story about a frustrated basketball coach whose name was Cotton Fitzsimmons. And he had an idea to motivate his team. So before the game, he gave them a speech that was centered around the word pretend. So the idea, of course, behind this speech was the power of positive thinking. I want you to think better than what the situation is. So he said, gentlemen, when you go out there tonight to play this game, instead of, of remembering and dwelling on the fact that we're in last place, I want you to pretend that we're in first place. And instead of, of thinking about being in a losing streak like we have been, I, I want you to pretend that we're in a winning streak. And, and instead of this just being a, a regular game, pretend this is the playoff game. We made it to the playoffs, and this is the playoff game. Go out there with that mindset. And so with that, the team, they, they went out onto the basketball court and they were soundly beaten by the Boston Celtics. And then Mr. Fitzsimmons, the coach, he was upset about the loss, of course. Who wouldn't be? But on the way off the court, one of the, the players slapped him on the back and he said, Cheer up, coach. Just pretend that we won. <laughs> so many of us appear to be winning in this race that we call life. We appear to be winning, but perhaps it's a all pretend. Perhaps it's just pretend. When we stand before Christ, we will soon see the difference between the actual victory and wishful thinking. Amen. We will see what it took to win and what it took to lose, and we will discover that all this time what we have been playing for was for keeps. After the rapture of the church, we've been talking about our blessed hope. We've talked about heaven. We've talked about uh, re uh, judgment and uh, hell and, we've, and the reality of heaven and some particulars about that. But there is a, a special thing that happens for the believers 
immediately following the rapture of the church. All those who have placed their faith in Jesus and have received the free gift of grace that that God offers to us through His Son, all of us will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, as Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians. We will stand individually, one by one, before Jesus. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, as believers, we will all stand before the King of Kings. And that, that's where it gets its name. It is the judgment seat of Christ because Christ is the one that is sitting on this throne. Amen. It's called the seat because it bears His name. We will stand before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. We will stand before God who became flesh and suffered and died for us and and who by His own power raised Himself from the dead on the third day. And He conquered sin and death and hell and the grave by His own power. This man who gave His life for you, who took beatings and persecutions on your behalf, this, this man who was despised and rejected by those that he came to save, this Jesus who was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for all of your iniquities, and he, he bore your burdens and you carried your sorrows, and he was punished so that you could have peace. This Jesus, the, the Son of God, who was exalted on high and lifted up on his throne, this Jesus, the, the man of sorrows, the the Lion of Judah, you're going to stand before Him. And you're going to see Him face to face. Not dimly, not darkly, not, not, not as through a, a glass, but face to face and clearly. And you'll look into His eyes, eyes that John says are like fire. And you will see infinite Holiness. What a frightening thought. And you will also see infinite love. Jesus will be the judge with all power and all wisdom to execute his righteous and holy judgments. He will be the one who has all power to destroy your very soul. And if he chose to do so, he would be right and just in doing it because his judgments are righteous. Yes, sir. Amen. But he will also be to you a loving father because he is in the father and the father is in him. And he will be a beloved brother because we are, he is the firstborn among many brothers. We are heirs and joint heirs to that throne of grace. John 5, for the father judges no man but he committeth all judgment unto the Son. Jesus is the one sitting on the throne before which we will stand to receive judgment. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, the crucified King, the risen Lord, seated on his throne, and you're going to stand before that man, that God-man, to be judged. It's called the judgment seat of Christ because it is Christ that will be seated on that throne. I cannot overstate or overstress the seriousness of this event. When we stand before our God and King, 
There will be enormous fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. That's scripture. But there will also be great dread and terror. Yes, even for the believer who stands on this day before a Lord who welcomes him, there will be great terror. Isaiah, the prophet of God, when he had his vision of God, he said, woe is me. I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips. I can't even stand in your presence. There will be great terror, awesomeness that we will experience standing before Him. Christ in His glory and in His holiness will shine with the brightness and the heat of a thousand stars. And we will be filled with joy and delight just at being in His presence. But we will also feel terror because we must come under the scrutiny of those fiery eyes. Brilliant and beautiful and awesome and terrifying. All at the same time, Christ is seated on his throne. It's called the judgment seat of Christ because it is his throne. He sits on that seat. It is called the judgment seat of Christ because it is a place of judgment. Where righteous judgment will be handed out. In our text this morning in 2 Corinthians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body, so that we will all receive according to what we have done in this life. Yes. Now, I want you to understand, we need to understand what Paul means by judgment seat, for which he, he uses the Greek word bema. You may have heard it referred to as the bema seat of Christ. A lot of people talk about that, the bema seat. Bema is a Greek word, and that's where he's getting this from. A bema is a podium or raised platform, and judges would stand at this bema. Roman judges would stand here, and they would hear the case, and they would pass judgment in the cases that would come before them. But that's not the bema that Paul is talking about. The bema was also used in the, in the, the athletic competitions, in the Olympic games, that sort of thing. And the, the judge would sit, the person who was officiating over the games would sit at the bema, and, and whenever the, whoever was victorious over the game would come before the judge, it was a judge's responsibility to make sure that the, the game was played according to the rules, and that, that the victor was victorious according to the rules. And when they came before the, the bema at the games, then the, the judge would hand him his crown. Paul very often refers to the Christian life as kind of a spiritual athletic competition. Runners run a race to win it. That's 1 Corinthians 9. He says athletes won't be crowned victors unless they compete according to the rules of the race. That's 2 Corinthians 2. So Paul is the, the bema seat that Paul is talking to is not a seat, is not a seat of, of, of judgment for punishment. It's a seat to pass out rewards. It is completely unrelated to sin. Let's not, let's not mistake that. In fact, it cannot be related to the problem of sin because Jesus conquered sin once and for all, for all time, past, present, and future in his completed work on the cross. So the Bible is clear that the righteous, that is the ones who have placed their faith in Jesus and who have been redeemed by the work of the Holy Spirit, they will not stand before judgment for sin. John 5, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. That's judgment. 
In fact, that's how the modern translations render that word as, as judgment. They shall not come under judgment, meaning judgment for sin, but they shall be passed from death into life. We will not stand to take account for the sin in our life. Jesus has already done that. Amen. He did it on the cross. This is not a judgment of the unjust. This is not a judgment for the wicked or the righteous. The only people that will be at this judgment are righteous people, believers in Jesus Christ and the King Himself. Amen. The purpose of this judgment is not to determine whether or not we go to heaven or to hell or to punish sin. This has already been done on the cross. The purpose of this judgment is to mete out rewards, not salvation. Salvation is a free gift of God. It is not the result of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So then, this judgment for the believer are only those who are saved, those who will live in heaven with Jesus in eternity. That's what this judgment is for. It is a place of review. So rather, we're not talking about punishment for sin. We're talking about review and rewards. That's what's happening at the beam of seat of Christ when we stand before him at the rapture. I don't want to give you the wrong impression. This will be a very serious event. Amen. Serious because of who is presiding over it. And serious because of what he paid in order to hold that event. Serious because of what he paid to secure your attendance at that event. It is a very serious event because it will be a review of our lives that we have lived in Christ. Again, salvation is based wholly upon the completed work of Christ on the cross. Do not mistake that. I cannot overstate that. That is done. You place your faith in Him. It's a free gift. You did not work to receive it. He did the work for you to be able to receive it. All you have to do is say yes and follow Him. This is not about heaven or hell. This is about rewards in heaven. This is about standing before Him and your deeds being judged. Did you do well? with what I gave you. The Bible clearly teaches that rewards are based on our works. Salvation is a gift. Rewards are based on our works. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ after we are saved, and there will be an accounting for what we do, how we live our lives. This is the clear meaning of our text in 2 Corinthians this morning. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, and if you've been joining us on Wednesday night, you recognize this passage because we covered it a few weeks ago. He said, everybody's work will be made manifest. That means revealed, laid to bear, opened up and, and put on display. All your works, all your labors, all your deeds, everything that you've done, all your good deeds, all of your motives behind them will be laid to bear and they'll be tried by fire. So all the things that you did that were self-serving, all the times that you added to your own kingdom, and all the times that you gave selflessly, and all the times that you gave that you love righteously, and, that, and all the times, all those things, those will be tried by fire of His holiness. And only those things that were born of the Spirit, which are the fruit of the Spirit in your life, those things will stand. 1 Corinthians 3, 14, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, he shall receive a reward. If your work survive the fire, you will receive a reward. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3, 15, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. This is not about salvation, it's about reward in heaven. If your works are burned up, you'll suffer loss, you'll have rewards taken. What you should have received, you won't receive. 
You, you, you were in line to get cities and, and, and crowns, but I can't give those to you because you didn't build with the right materials. All of our Christian labor, the money that we've given, the lives that we've touched, the acts of sacrificial love, the time we spent in study and prayer and worship, reading, praying, singing. You remember that rhythm from, that's what been a while back, reading, praying, singing, rhythms of worship. All the people that you witnessed to, that family that you took in who had fallen on tough times because they were put out on the streets, that man that's holding up the sign on the street corner that says anything will help. The troubled teen whose home life is frightening and you felt compassion on him and took him under your wing to be a mentor and a, a disciple maker to him. All the people around us that you have touched, that will be judged. And those things will stand in the fire. But also all the stuff that we didn't do, the opportunities that we missed, or we flat out ignored them because we were too uncomfortable to do them. Or because we were so wrapped up in ourselves that we just couldn't see beyond our own noses to, to the people around us that are hurting and in great need of Christian love. All of that will come front and center on this day when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. So very serious, very serious because of the review. And I, I pray, O oh Lord, that my life and my works are wrought by the Holy Spirit and that on that day when I am tried by the fire of His holiness, that something is found standing. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Mold me, make me, fill me, use me for your glory. Amen. Amen. Serious? Yes, and we ought to be seriously mindful of doing good deeds. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. Why? So that they will glorify your God in heaven. Good deeds, let your light shine before men. How? By doing good deeds, good things, good works. For what end? So that they will glorify God. Your purpose is to cause others to see God as so satisfying and so wonderful and so delightful and so irresistibly good that they glorify Him because of your good deeds. Amen. That which brings glory to God is gold and precious stones. Everything else is wood and hay and straw and be burned up in the fire of His holiness and His righteous judgment. So it's a place of review at this throne that we stand in at, in front of Christ. There's a place of reward, though. Serious, review, reward, joyful. It's a place of great joy, so very much joy. A reward ceremony where they're passing out the gold medals and the crowns, and, and here's, you, here's your reward, and here's your look well done, my good and faithful servant. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe one thing that He is, and another that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. God exists, and He is on His throne, and not only that, He rewards those who seek Him. Amen. We're not in this for nothing. God said, I have laid rewards for you. If you will just run the race. Amen. Amen. That's where the reward comes in. Jim Elliott was a missionary in Ecuador and he was martyred for his service to Christ. He said a very famous quote. He said that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep 
to gain what he cannot lose. Man, that's profound. You are no fool to give up what you can't keep in order to gain what you can't lose. That is the essence of what Paul said when he said, I count it all as loss, all as dung for the surpassing worth of Christ. Those who faithfully serve the Lord and they pour out their hearts and their lives for him will gain an eternal reward that they cannot lose. This is the time that we will stand before Christ our King and he will look at us clearly, plainly, face to face with those eyes of fire and peer deep into our soul and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here are your crowns. Enter into the rest of your master. 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And look at this. This is stunning what he says next. It's stunning. And then every man shall have praise of God. That, last, that is stunning. Every man shall have praise of God. Those who are standing at the Bema seat of Christ, the righteous in God, will have praise from God. God will find something in every believer to praise and to reward. Christ the King. Can you imagine that? The creator of the universe, holiness himself, will look at you and say, man. Wow, look at what you did. He will find something to praise in all of us. And that, that folks, that's not me. That's Bible. You got a problem with that? Take it up with the Apostle Paul. He said it. Every man will find praise from God. The creator of the universe who is nothing less than absolute perfection an absolute beauty, an absolute holiness, this God will find something in you to sing about, something to praise each person who has trusted Christ as their Savior. Amen. Man, that lifts me up. I wonder so often, Lord, am I making you happy? Have I done all I can do? Are you proud of me at all? Because I look at my life under the, the shroud of this word and I think there's, there's nothing in me that is good. On that day when I stand before Jesus and he looks at me, he's going to see the blood that he covered me with. And if nothing else, he'll praise me for that. God is infinitely passionate about his own glory. If nothing else, he will praise me for that. You trusted me. Good job. There are many rewards and service and things that we will receive. There are many things that we, we do now that are reward worthy, that God will reward us for areas of service and areas of faithfulness. But there are a few things that I, I want to point out, just a few specific crowns that the scriptures mention that I, I want to point out to you. There's five of them. The first one is the incorruptible crown. So when we stand before Christ on that day, some of us will see, receive an incorruptible crown. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 
verse 24 through 27. I'm just going to read verse 25 for you. Paul says, And every man that striveth for the mastery of the temperate is temperate in all things. Again, he's talking about this athletic analogy, running a race, competing in athletic events. Everyone that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. They have self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. They do this race and they fight this fight so that they can stand before the bema seat and, and a man will give them a, a, corral, a crown of, of laurels, you know, the, the wreath that they would place on their head to signify victory. That crown is corruptible. That's going to wither and fade away. But we stand before a seat and we receive a crown that is what? Incorruptible. Because we have kept ourselves controlled this is for those who are self-controlled and, and self-disciplined and, and all like all the other crowns that we receive, this crown will not fade away. So remember this crown the next time you want to sleep in and hit that snooze alarm rather than getting up and spending some quality time with your Lord. Do you know He wants you to spend time with Him? Amen. Rather than getting up and reading your Bible, remember this crown. Am I giving up an incorruptible crown for the corruptible crown of a few extra minutes of sleep. Discipline in all areas of our life. This is about a disciplined person. Proverbs has so much to say about the disciplined person. It is no wonder that God has a crown for someone who exercises discipline and self-control. In fact, that is one of the fruits of the Spirit, temperance, meekness, temperance, self-control. There's a crown of life. That's the second one. You find that in James chapter 1, verse 12. James says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. And then in Revelation 2.10, For none of those things which thou shalt suffer, behold the so fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and that you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. This is the crown of life. This is the sufferer's crown. It's given to those who faithfully endure and preserve or persevere through trials and tests and temptations and pain and sufferings of this life. Persevere. Be faithful unto death. Even in a terrible situation, when the situation looks dark and bleak, there seems to be no way out. Look at the language that he uses about being cast into prison. When it seems like you've been trapped in a prison with no escape, all the doors are locked around you and you cannot get out and you're in tribulation and you're in pain and you're in torment, he says, remain faithful. When, it, when it's nothing's going your way, when it seems like everything is coming against you, when they're talking about you behind your back, when they take your, your accolades from you, they take any kind of praise from you, they turn praise from you into mocking when your body is failing you, when your children have gone off the deep end, when you feel like there's just nothing but darkness around you, he says, remain faithful even unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Amen. The crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul says, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not even you? Aren't you our crown of rejoicing in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? This is the crown that is given to those who are soul winners. 
The disciple makers are those who spread the gospel hope of Jesus in a way that makes him appear irresistible to the world. They are given the crown of rejoicing. And it's no wonder they're given a crown of rejoicing. Because what does scripture say about those who come to faith in Jesus Christ? All of heaven rejoices for the one soul that says, I will take you, Lord, as Lord. If all of heaven rejoices, you're going to receive a crown of that rejoicing for every soul that you won to Jesus Christ, every person that you witnessed to, every time you made God look desirable and more holy and more wonderful than the world around, every time you're going to receive a crown of rejoicing. And you will, all the times that you joyfully and you purposefully live with Christ as your king and First and foremost and unapologetic about it. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you put him on display and you let everyone see this God and King that you savor. There's a crown of glory. We find this in 1 Peter 5. This is the shepherd's crown. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. He says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who I am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not by filthy lucre, or of a, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So all those pastors and elders and and church leaders, all those who are are faithfully and lovingly and graciously shepherding and overseeing God's flock, they'll receive this unfading crown of glory. Hallelujah. There are many other rewards. Of course, there are many other rewards. The Bible speaks about having greater responsibilities and and greater authority in, in heaven and the kingdom to come for those who have been faithful stewards of the time and talents and treasure that God has given them. The key is a faithful steward. We will stand before Him and be rewarded for our good works that were wrought by the Spirit. What that means essentially is we'll be rewarded for how completely we have surrendered ourselves to Jesus Christ in this life. So then the question becomes not how much did you give, how much did you sacrifice for Jesus, but how much did you withhold? How much did you keep for yourself? What will we do with these rewards that he lavishes upon us? That was our second passage this morning, Revelation 4, 10 and 11. The four and twenty elders fall down before him and sat on his throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. What will we do with our rewards? Scripture is pretty clear about that too. We will not parade them around like, look at this. We will cast them at Jesus' feet in worship. That is stunning. On that day, when you stand before him, you will not look at him and say, Thank you, Lord. I worked so hard for this. I am so grateful to you that you were watching and that you you took note and that you acknowledged my efforts. No. You will stand there, and as he is 
heaping upon you crowns and robes of righteousness and cities and responsibilities and authority and all manner of riches and honor, you will be there and there will be tears flooding down your face. And you may look at me and you may say, but Jeff, how can that be? Because the Bible says that he will wipe away every tear. And it does. He's talking about tears of sorrow and tears of pain. But these tears, church, these will not be tears of sorrow and pain. These will be tears. These tears will be the oil of gladness. These tears will be tears of, of joy. And sometimes in the human condition, that's all you can do when you're so overwhelmed is just cry. He will pour out the oil of gladness and it will be streaming down our face like tears. Joy. Not flippant joy. Not cheap joy. But serious joy. Expensive joy. Costly joy. Joy unspeakable. Overwhelming, overflowing And as you stand there in your resurrected, glorified human body, you will fall to your knees under the enormous weight of His marvelous and lavish gifts. Amen. And when Christ has finished justly rewarding you for your good works, yes. you will look at Him with wonder and amazement at His amazing grace. Awe at His endless mercy. And with every fiber in your being, with all of your resurrected might and all of your resurrected energy, you will lay it all back at his feet, weeping tears of gladness. You will say to him, I am not worthy of any of this, but you are worthy, worthy, oh worthy are you. Who is worthy but you? Worthy to receive all power and all glory and all honor. You are worthy. All praise. Church, you'll be given such a great and precious and righteous reward. And you will use it. Not to say, look at me. Look at what I did. You will say, look at him. Amen. Look at what he did. You will use it. Your resurrected being. Your reward. Your authority. Your, your kingdoms. Your cities. Your crowns. Your robes. Your wealth. Your honor, you will use every last bit of it in worship to Him. Amen. Amen. All glory to God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. That's what's waiting for us, church. It gives me pause. Because though I know on that day there will be such great joy... And I, I don't even know that, that I'll even care because I just I'm, I get to be here. Yes. Anyth if, if anything stands in the fire, I'll be happy. If anything stands. But on this side of eternity, in my fleshly human perspective, when I do have a little bit of pride in me, a little bit of self-servingness in me, I, I think I don't want to be the one that is saved only by fire. I want to be the one who has... Amen. I want many crowns. To lay at his feet. Jesus said that every idle thought will be brought before him. How am I spending the time, the talent, and the treasure he has given me? 
That is a question, man. That is the question. Not, not what have I given? What have I kept? What have I dared to keep to prop myself up? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Yes. Oh, man, what a day. We sing that song, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. I look upon his face, the one who saves me by his grace. And he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. And for all of us who have accepted you as Lord, that will be a glorious day. We stand before you judged righteous, not condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation. Father, you have deemed us worthy to stand before your throne of judgment so that we can receive reward. Once we have run the race and fought the fight, we've kept our eyes on the mark of the prize of the high calling. Father, you will reward us richly, and it will be our honor to throw it back at your feet and say, worthy is the lamb. God, I pray for a, a renewed perspective among your people today, a, an eternal perspective, that as we go through our day and we make decisions about the things that we do and how we spend our time and our talent and our treasure, or that you would give us a perspective that is about a crown. An indestructible crown. A crown of glory. A crown of rejoicing. A crown of life. Glory to your name, O oh Lord. Keep us safe as we travel. Keep us in your perfect way. And bring us back at the appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.